Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Grumpy Young Men on the Believe Network. I am Jason Waller here with my co-host, Alex Meschi. Join us as we take a real look at reality. All right, guys, welcome back to week two of Grumpy Young Men on the Believe Network. Alex, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. Getting a little stir crazy with quarantine. We're almost a month deep on this thing now. You look like you're going to Hawaii, bro. Uh, you know, you got to look the part of your mentality, I guess, right? Yeah, I guess so, man. What do I look like then? Casual. I feel like I look pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> all i know is i can go for a haircut because i'm tired of waking up with my, Bro, hair my, my neck mouth. hair connects to my shoulder hair that connects to my butt hair yeah i got asian jeans i don't have that problem yeah bro I literally from <laughs> my head my hair from my goes from my head down to my toes i mean it connects all the way down <laughs> so rather than give uh graphic imagery of these quarantine changes that we're Sorry personally that. experiencing i think it might be interesting to talk about what we're seeing here uh you know because People think that we live in this little bubble in Orange County and we're kind of unaffected from most of the problems in the country. But, you know, there's some instances where I feel like uh, we are to an extent, you know, when we're talking about real estate and things like that, but we're not in regards to other issues. So, for example, in Huntington Beach last week, we had a start of COVID-19 protests that people were taking to Main Street and voicing now you had all kinds of different messages, but the main one was that these small business owners wanted the option to choose whether or not they could be open or not, uh, despite being an essential business. Now there were obviously some counter protesters out there, you know, trying to yell at these people to go home or this or that. And the other message that was also popping up was, you know, there was a sign that I saw posted, whether or not it's actual or, you know, someone's just trying to incite reaction, but they were saying people over profits. Or I'm sorry, profits over people was what the sign said, which created a big old kind of hubbub on the internet. Um, but one thing that transpired from that Huntington Beach protest is then there was a protest in San Clemente, which was kind of along the same lines. And now, these protests were wanting for people to be able to make their own choices. Well, so the biggest problem with protesting today is you'll have a hundred people with a hundred different causes or reasons. Now, twenty of them may align. You know, some of them may have overlap, but for the most part, every sign reads differently. There's no unification, whether it's from the left or the right. Everybody's out there just yelling their own opinion, whatever that may be. Well, the um, one in San Clemente was really, I, I saw that one. It was focused really on uh, allotting people to go back to work, making their own choices. Like they can't shut everything down, open up the beaches, open up everything. And yeah, so going back to work and going to the beach are kind of two different things of two different magnitudes. Now, if we're sticking with the original argument of give people the option to choose their freedom and liberty, then totally get it. Makes sense. But when you start seeing signs, you know, uh, profits over people or uh, this isn't the California way. I'm, I, frankly, I don't even know what the California way is anymore, especially when you go up to Northern California and compare it down to us. You know, we're throwing shakas down here. They're throwing hellas up there. It's it seems like two different countries, you pretty, know, they, pretty much um, the only the only thing we have in common is that we're both getting uh, kind of, I don't want to say ripped off, but we're getting ripped off in taxes, you yeah. know? Um, so with that being said, um, we have protests going on. We have uh, mask ordinances here in Irvine. You can get a $500 fine if you go into a store without a mask. It's kind of bleeding into the other cities. Um, it's almost getting to a point where it's creating this 
visual segregation in that people with masks are almost condescending towards people without masks, like almost creating this social system, so yeah. to speak. And the crazy thing to me is that, you know, every day you step outside your front door, you assume risk. There's a risk walking down the street that a car can hit you, a drunk driver, not a drunk driver. Uh, an airplane might land on your head. You might get struck by lightning. There's all kinds of crazy stuff that we don't even think about when we go out the door. You could have come up with a lot better risk than that. Well, I mean, the, but here's, <laughs> I mean, getting hit. I'm just saying getting in the car. I mean, going and getting in the car and driving is, is a risk. I mean, going, I mean, there's so many risks that, that are out there. I mean, that you, you, you could accumulate. I understand that, but yeah. Anyways. So with all those risks, nobody even gives a second thought to those things, right? Nobody gives a second thought to texting and driving or talking on the phone in the car or, um, you know, uh, turning the stove on and then going to take a shower. These were all things that back in the day you would be a little bit more mindful of yet. We're more mindful about these gloves and masks that we're wearing. Now, when you compare how we use gloves and masks to how doctors and medical professionals use them, we're just cross contaminating everything. It's to the point where businesses aren't even allowing people to wear gloves anymore because they're touching everything and touching themselves and touching their phone. And <laughs> it, when you go to a hospital, every time a doctor enters a room, they're changing their their protective equipment. Right? It's not like here we're using the same rubber gloves for it's two funny weeks. Say, it's funny you say that because Ashley, when she's like, go, we were in the store, and she just she didn't really understand, like, wasn't paying attention to it. She was touching everything, and then she'd get on her phone to look back at the grocery list, and I was like. Actually, that defeats the whole part. Now you got to disinfect your phone, which you probably put on your face, which I said it totally alleviates the, the the purpose of that. But I just thought that was funny. Yeah. I mean, I was standing in Target watching a lady take off her glove, put the glove in her mouth to hold it so that she could touch her phone because it's a touch screen, right? You literally just ate COVID-19. And people don't see how crazy it is that they're, oh, I need a mask and gloves. Well, no, you don't if you're not going to even use it properly, right? So with that being said, we're seeing all these changes. Everything's shut down. People are getting a little bit, uh, a little cooped up, I think. Um, I know for me personally, I just, I really want to go bowling or go to a park or, you know, go on a hiking trail. I don't even want to go to, you know, the music festivals. I know a lot of people are complaining about that or baseball events or sporting events or even the second half of the basketball season. But it's it's the fact that we're literally confined. We have this lack of information or this uh, distribution of trust anymore. That too, you know, and it creates a panic. Um, well, but, I think that's the other thing to look at, though, too, is we are such social beings. I mean, the number one form of happiness is human connection. I mean, we are not doing that in any way, shape, or form. And I respect, I totally understand what we're dealing with. Like, I don't know, for me, I personally think like if you're outside and you're doing stuff, like with if you're not, you know, going into any, as soon as you leave your house, I think uh, for me personally, I think you should, it's, you should have a mask on. I think, you know, if you're not knowing where you're going, you, you don't know who you're infecting, who you're contaminating. I fully support the mask thing. And again, with the gloves, like I said, if you're properly using them, I think it's beneficial right now. I mean, I'm a person right now that why can't everybody go back to, you know, back to work wearing a mask, having wear gloves, have like protocols and different stuff like that. Um, you know, instead of, you know, I, I think it's to be mindful of, of everything that's going on. I think those, you know, I think there's ways to go about that. I, I guess that's my question is why can't we go back to having 
our society. I mean, why can you go to Home Depot and 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 get whatever it is that you need? Why can you go to the grocery store and get whatever you need and not have these other businesses open? I'm not saying that you need to go have restaurants open where you can congregate. I'm not going to go to a restaurant for a while where I have to wear a mask and lift it up to take a drink and and have a a bite of my food that just doesn't sound appealing but if we're going to go bowling why not open up every other every other lane you know when you i mean yeah there's certain things that make sense and certain things that don't and i think it's it's uh it's frustrating at times for sure and i mean this is uh this isolation is is i see the point behind it but i think there's so much other factors that come into play that they're not even addressing yeah and i think you ha- you really hit on a solid point about the key to happiness being human connection right so harvard did that uh, lifelong study uh, oldest living study there that you always mention, but even more so like, let's look at our society, right? So right now we would be having uh baseball season starting up beginning of April. Um, I think soccer would start beginning friendly matches gearing up for summer. We would have had the end of the basketball season and the championships with March madness from the college. Um, but the crazy thing with all sports canceled, right? And, uh, I feel like in America, sports are a real big connector in groups of people. Now, whether you're a Dodger fan or a San Francisco fan, at least you'll come together at one point or two points in the season to watch each other play each other. And, you know, we know how those rivalries go because we hear about it in the news. But it's what people kind of do for camaraderie. You know, you, you have your team, you're a fan, that's your family outside of your blood. Um, and whether it's soccer, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, rugby, cricket, it doesn't matter. Everybody's got a team, you know? Um, and it, it was kind of funny and this was something that I had read on the internet, but someone made note, they go, when you take sports away from Americans, Americans will find something else to bond over. Now, what was that other thing that we all bonded over? That was tiger King. We substituted America's pastime for three crazy dudes chasing tigers around, basically having the Olympics of who's the biggest idiot, right? Because And it was funny because you had other people saying, oh, how are we celebrating these people? No, we're literally highlighting that they're all bad, and we're trying to figure out who's the worst. Yeah, dude. You, know, you, have, you have one dude feeding meth to kids that aren't even uh, – homosexual or whatever and you know cajun tigers and this and that you got another guy that's got these wives that are like part of some cult and you know getting uh body augmentations for the sake of being a part of this cult and then you have another dude that is trying to railroad everything through this uh tv thing ends up being the eventual owner of the gw zoo or whatever and then you have carol baskins who full-blown murder (laughs) (laughs) but think about it think about what she did she utilized the sanctuary to have her own tigers. She leveraged the government to shut down the other tiger zoos. And then she started se- uh, selling her own tigers to then fund the charity. Yeah. dude. Like from a, uh, evil sadistic perspective, that's pretty genius to literally use the government and pass a bill that nobody else can have tigers and it's punishable by law. Yeah. You've got, all these kinds of crazy things running around in your backyard because it's a quote unquote sanctuary. But that just shows how messed up our system is and how scandalous stuff goes. I mean, it, it, it's it, that's completely asinine. I mean, it just goes into the research that's being done behind these things. I mean, she's doing the exact same things these other guys were doing, and she got it to be done legal where everybody else is is doing it. It's illegal, right? It's absolutely crazy. But you know, I don't know what's crazier: the fact that all of this really happened, the fact that. We literally have a hodgepodge of, you know, who's the worst 
or the fact that literally almost all of America is watching this and talking about it when, you know, last year we were talking about, and, and when I say we, I mean the media and the press were saying that there's an inundation of content that it's going to be hard for any franchise series or project to garner any sort of following nowadays, right? Because you have Netflix and Hulu and Disney plus and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Yet everything for the last, what, three weeks has been Tiger King, yeah. whether it's the memes, the videos, people dressing up, people dressing their kids up, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. It's crazy. And I think that goes back to people right now are starved of that connection. Yeah. So what can you bond over that you can talk about, whether you're doing it from six feet away or over a Zoom call or over a text message? Uh, but it's, you know, for the most part, non-politically biased. It's just, it's like watching, uh, you know, a Jerry Springer show. Were you asking or formulating a question around like human connection? You're saying that the population is starving around connection. Were you going somewhere with that? No, I'm more so just making a statement in that, you know, with lack of sports and lack of activity, lack of music festivals or concerts or, you know, these large scale gatherings, it, it, we're almost at a point where like in regards to media and what we're doing in our free time, like we're grasping at straws. Yeah. You know, whether it's Tiger King or what have you, I mean, um, you know, we just mentioned this Michael Jordan thing, which is uh, potentially a nice little holdover for those waiting for the NBA draft that's coming up, which is going to be virtually for the first time unprecedented. Yeah. Which, I mean, doesn't really affect me either way. Cause I don't particularly care for basketball, but, um, it's always fun watching the drafts and the reactions and things like that. And now we're basically going to just be watching the lottery, I guess. So crazy. I mean, the first time this is going to be the first time for, for many things. I mean, how do you think this is going to impact our world moving forward? You know, I mean, like, cause like after, after nine 11 happened, right. I mean, that changed the way we travel for the rest of, I mean, moving forward. I mean, it, it totally changed everything. How do you see this changing you know, the way we interact, the way we connect with people. I mean, do you think this is going to just go away at some point down the road after there's vaccines and there's, you know, a cure or whatever they come up with? Do you think this is just going to, everything's going to kind of go back to normal? Or do you think we're going to have a, a total shift? I don't think going back to normal's an option. Uh, we're going to definitely live in this new normal. It's just a matter of how uh, drastic and polarizing it's going to end up, I think. Um, what we're experiencing right now, and I mentioned it, uh, earlier was that we're having this total, uh, sort of social segregation of the masks and the mask knots. Right. And we already had sort of this divide in the country because of, you know, race and politics and this and that and whatever, but there's already this sort of disdain in society. Right. So now we're adding another layer and label. And now the reason why I say it depends is because we're talking about vaccines, right? And one of the suggestions was that basically you're going to get paperwork or a certification that you have the vaccine. So it's kind of like going back to, uh, you know, old European times of show me your papers, you know? <laughs> so I don't, I'm not too comfortable on that. Now that's neither here nor there. Cause it's kind of one of those things. We'll have to see how it rolls out. But if I'm talking about immediate change, the biggest change I seeing is going to be in the hospitality industry. Um, you mentioned earlier, you don't want to go back to restaurants. I don't blame you. Not but- right now. I mean, even though you have to understand I, and when I said that I am a person that goes to restaurants 
almost every day for some form, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I mean, I, my wife hates me for that, but I mean, I love eating out and I love going to restaurants. I mean, it's a part of camaraderie, part of connection, fellowship. It's a big component of that. But like, that's something I can do without right now. I don't need to put myself or subject that to, you know, cause I like, I, right now, I mean, I still, I see my parents, I see my sister, I see my brother, I see my other brother, I see my nephews. Like I say, like our family's kind of quarantined, you know, and, and for the time being, I'm not going to go expose myself to other areas that are, you know, that could put, potentially put some of them at risk. And again, my nephew had cancer. So, I mean, he's still susceptible to stuff. And so like, I want to be cautious of who I connect with or where I surround myself with. And there's certain things. Yeah. That they suck that they're not going to be uh, available right now or to be able to go do those. But those are things that I can bite the bullet on. Okay. So that's from the consumer perspective, your perspective, right? You are not comfortable going to a restaurant. So now let's flip the script and look at it from the other side, the restaurant side. So a lot of restaurants have switched to uh, this takeout curbside mentality. Which nope. I partake in. Exactly. Um, but let's be honest. Let's talk on that real quick. Every time you get takeout, is it as good as eating at the restaurant? Absolutely not. So when Mastro's is giving you 25% off to take and bake at home, does that seem worth it to you? No, I mean, but see, and the other part with this is something that I've never done before in quarantine. Like, like I'm actually learning how to cook. Like, so I actually have gone to the store. I've got, I've, I've, I've done anything from halibut to salmon. I started cooking my own fillets. I mean, I've been doing stuff. So this is actually, this is actually, you know, whenever there's, you're ever throwing a lemon, right? Make lemonade out of it. So something that I've been doing where I used to take out, I used to spend thousands of dollars a month on takeout where now I'm saving money and I'm learning how to cook and I'm actually bonding with my wife and daughter. Like I've actually made this as a very good thing. Like I actually really enjoy the time that I'm spending with them doing this. And like, I we'll still do takeout. Like right after this, I guarantee we're going to go to Jan's and get some tuna. Uh, but it's, uh, <laughs> but overall, like, you know, it's, it's, you got to give and take. And I feel horrible for the businesses. You know, I think it's again, support your, the businesses. And I, again, as I support my favorite restaurants, I still order out from them a couple of times a week, but do, am I going out like I used to? No, I mean, it's probably cut down 95% from, even if obviously I'm not going to hundred percent, I'm not going to any restaurants and sitting and eating with people. I mean, they're not even open to do that, but mm -hmm. you know, moreover is, is my takeout. I mean, I probably order out 5% now compared to how much I was going out before. Yeah. You know, and I'm in the same boat and, uh, you know, those of you that are grilling at home, uh, if you want to tag at Jason Waller on Instagram and show him what you're cooking, he might send you something back. And uh, we got a little pizza competition between us where I'm still waiting for an entry. Um, Dude, I smoked you in the pizza. <sighs> and he, Alex is a person that can cook, first of all. Alex is really good. Give him anything to throw in a smoker, any type of meat, any type of fish. He's good at you. But when it comes to pizza, bro, nope, no chance. Yep, that's Jason. Uh, making claims, taking pictures from the couch while, uh, the wife, oh, the Italian geez. wife is doing the work. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, going back to, uh, looking at the business side of this whole quarantine thing, I mean, we have double digit millions that have filed for unemployment. Uh, a lot of them are servers and things like that. And with these restaurants going to the takeout model now, I don't want to come across as stingy or anything like that, but when I order takeout and I go and pick it up and I'm doing the legwork, I usually don't tip. Because I feel as if I'm buying a product. It's no different than me going to Best Buy, picking something off the shelf for $19.99. I pay $19.99 plus tax and I'm out the door with my thing cash and carry, right? But looking at the way that these hospitality employees are paid, for the most part, I mean, there are some states where they're- See, but that's where we're very different. Hmm. I'm actually tipping way more right now than I even do when I sit down. I mean, just given the circumstances of still having work, still being employed- 
knowing these people, a lot of their livelihood and their money comes from tips, not their hourly wages. Like, I mean, I, I literally, even in a, I, I, one, we were on our way up to Arrowhead I went to fast food and it was like, nah, like 11 bucks. I gave him a 20 and I just said, keep it. Like, I, I, I mean, for me, it is, again, as I'm not just being an idiot about money, but I'm also being mindful, like for me of where I know in the restaurant industry, somebody that's struggling, just like the airline, I mean, they're hurting so bad. And a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, you can make really good money working at a restaurant and getting tips and different things like that. I mean, people, that's their full-time gig and they support a family doing that. So that's where it's, and again, it's, it would be, it'd be totally different if I didn't have my jobs and I wasn't employed. I mean, like, I'm very, very, very grateful during this crazy time that we are still employed, that we still have, you know, still have resources and stuff coming in. So I try to always give back. Um, that's my thought process. I understand where you're coming from, so for sure. giving back, I think, is a different function than gratuity, okay? Now, my fault is not on the employees asking for a tip, right? My fault is on the employer not paying these people a living wage and then forcing them to then ask for a tip. And when they get a bad tip, they are then shifting the blame from the employer to the customer. Okay. Because mm, okay. let's look at what a tip is. A tip is a gratuity, something you're gracious for, right? Yes. I'm not gracious that you did your job. Yeah. I'm really not. Yeah. That's what your paycheck's supposed to be there for. Correct. I'm gracious that you went above and beyond. I'm gracious that you kept my water filled the entire night and I never had to ask for it. I'm gracious that my food was served piping hot and came to me first. I'm not gracious that I had to come to your business to pick up your product and pay you for it. Now, Giving back, absolutely, that's generosity. I totally agree with that. You and my dad are similar in that like. Uh, I'm giving back in other forms, you know, donating my time at the Orange County Food Bank and things like that. Um, I, I feel like that's a different subject. Um, but I really despise the fact that, you know, my friends in the hospitality industry are talking about, you know, bad tippers and this and that. And I'm going, more like you have a cheap employer because there are restaurants that do pay their people well enough to where they don't need a tip. You know, you go to France, you go to uh, Asia, they, they don't take a tip. And in some places it's insulting because they feel like it's, you know, you're uh, almost treating them like a, a servant or slave, right? This is their trade and they take pride in that. Uh, when I was in Germany in November, you know, I had an honest discussion with one of the bartenders. I go, hey. So do you think, or do you think that the uh, restaurant should be, their prices should go up on all their food and stuff? Uh, not necessarily considering a restaurant usually holds about a 20 to 30% food cost. So what do you think the solution is here? Cause I mean, I totally, see, I hear what you're saying for sure. I think the solution is paying your, I, I think it's moving to a sales commission rule. Cause you know, restaurants talk about having their servers hit certain dollar, uh, tickets, right? Cer certain dollars per ticket. Or at least I've heard some of my friends talk about that, that work in upscale places because they, the business wants you to try and upsell things like, right. Oh, would you like a glass? Well, a bottle's a better deal and give you the spiel and all of that. And then next thing you know, you just tacked on a $70 yeah, ticket yeah, item. Yeah. Right. So if there was a way to then take that 30% food cost, which means you're, you're uh, grossing about 70%, take out your overhead, this, that, whatever. Um, I feel like, okay, increase the price a little bit more, you know, but give your servers a percentage of their sales so that i would love to hear from servers if you guys if any of you are servers and you're listening to this i would love your feedback because i i think i still think the majority of of restaurants and stuff i mean 
that a lot of them, I mean, I know a lot of high-end restaurants here that that don't pay that you can get by on. I mean, I'm talking about 90%. I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong, but from what I remember, there's about 90% of restaurants in Orange County that are very high end that it, it's you're you go with two, three, four people. I mean, you're looking at a hundred, two hundred dollar tab no matter what. Uh, you know, and and these people are getting paid minimum wage, maybe a buck over minimum wage. And there's and they, based on that, they're making way more off the tip than they are on their hourly rate. So let me ask you this. If the bill is 200 bucks, let's say the food cost is about 60. Who do you think's cash in the check? Say that again. If the bill is two hundred dollars. Per typical restaurant uh, budgeting, your food cost is typically 25 to 30%. That means your food cost is 50 to $60. You have 140 extra. Yeah. Who's cashing the check? What do you mean? It's the owner. So once again, I would say the fault falls on the employer. But you know, back to our friends in the, the restaurant industry, you know, uh, one question I'd love to ask, if you were paid a commission, would you hustle more? That'd be a great. That's a great question. Because then, you know, commission to me is the best model because everything more that you sell means I'm selling more, which means you're making more money, which means me as the owner, I'm making more money. Everybody wins. I like that. That's actually a food for thought. So if you guys are listening and you work in the restaurant industry or the hospitality industry, we'd love to hear your feedback. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today for grumpy young men. Uh, Real quick, I have one more little bonus thing I want to go in there. Dude, I want to know about Harvard real quick, taking a uh, $9 million. <laughs> yeah, so arguably the richest university in the world with a $41 billion annual endowment, which equates to about $13 million per student annually, um, took $9 million of our CARES money. And the funny thing is that this university that is a private uh, institution, right, um, with all that money in their bank, took our taxpayer dollars when a large franchise burger chain who first got approved for $10 million decided it would be better to give it back to help support small businesses. Way to go, Harvard. <laughs> and for those alumni of Harvard, that is Veritas. That's Latin for truth. And that's their tagline. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, man, a lot of good stuff comes out of there, but that's very disheartening. Yeah, that's, that's see again. It's why we want to talk about it and it's why we want to do the show. What are you looking at me like that for, buddy? Give me some <laughs> feedback. What do you think on that? What are you talking about? Well, the, I hadn't even heard that before. The uh, Ryan was looking at me like I was crazy, guys. No, there's just so, like like you guys mentioned earlier, there's just so much misinformation. I've almost just tuned out at this point with everything and there's so much negative and so much positive. You don't know who to believe. So it's almost... It's kind of sad though, right? It's, it's, it's really sad. It's, uh, I like being able to watch the news and trust things but now you know he breaks stories like that i'm like <laughs> oh awesome even it's, it's even worse than i thought it's on the front page of yahoo today so you know um it, it's absolutely crazy but that's why we're doing it boom we'll be back next week with some more grumpy young stories <laughs> with some grumpy young men on the believe network Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.